Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode here at Feelin' Film. I'm Patch, and with me is my best friend and co-host, Aaron. I really want to say something macho right now, but all that's coming into my mind are really, really bad penis jokes. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not saying those, because we've said penis enough on the show between me and Aaron. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay consistent with the topic at hand. Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, this week we are chatting about Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, the latest high-flying octane film from this favorite universe of ours. Though, I think it's safe to say that, at least for us, the relationship to the franchise ends after the colon. Spoilers abound from this point forward, so you have been warned. And let's get into it. One word takeaways, Aaron. Let's start with you. All right. Well, the word that I settled on, because I think it's slightly nicer sounding than insufferable, is um, overkill. Look, I, I love the comedic chemistry of The Rock and Jason Statham in the Fast and Furious franchise as much as anyone does. I think their banter in FNF 7 and 8 is hilarious and it really does. It creates this fun confrontational dynamic that on paper, I can completely understand why one would think it presents a fun opportunity to take that further and make it into a feature length film. I was totally on board with the idea of this when it was announced. When we learned that Idris Elba would play basically a superhero as a villain, that made it sound even more exciting and just crazy, kind of in that I can't wait to see what happens way. But sadly, man, the reality is that the writing in this movie by longtime Fast and Furious scribe Chris Morgan, it deviates so heavily from the balance and the pace of the mainline franchise that for large parts of Hobbs and Shaw, the interactions between these two characters were, to me, insufferable. It's got constant dick jokes and ball jokes, and that's where I was going with that earlier. And it's just a bunch of macho posturing over and over and over, and I think it can only take you so far, and it just it didn't work for me here. On top of that, they added in... So many Deadpool references um, due to director David Leitch's connections there. And uh, I, I don't need Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Hart in this movie, man. That's what it boils down to. Their appearances added nothing of value for me. And likewise, the villain plot is so over the top. And it's like many of Idris Elba's recent roles where I feel like He's giving it his all in these crazy performances, but his dialogue just doesn't allow him to be anything special. The action wasn't that great for me. There are a couple moments that I'll point out later when we talk about it, I'm sure, that I was excited and happy and on a high when I saw them. But for the most part, I didn't think it was great or memorable. And the finale for me was shot so terribly, I thought, that... I just wanted it to end at one point. 
I, I still had a somewhat enjoyable experience, though. So I, all of this negative aside, I went in. There are laughs to be had. There are awesome, you know, fight scenes to be seen. My son was having a blast. And I think there's an undeniable charm to The Rock and Statham when the dialogue does work, that chemistry. But overall, I just wanted to get back to my real FNF familia and leave this spinoff in the dust. Taking what was a few moments of fun in previous films and extending that concept into a two-hour film just did not work for me. Um, I think it could have, but I just don't think that the execution was there, and so it's overkill for me, plain and simple. Yeah, excessive came to mind whenever I left the theater uh, due to the, the runtime and a lot of the stuff that you mentioned. But as I was trying to be clever, and maybe this is just a poor attempt at that, I was thinking about something that I've been learning in my in my job about when it comes to making better processes, being more efficient, and and essentially trying to identify some of the root causes of why something's not working. There's a word that comes to mind that we always try to address, and that word is waste. This is the word that I think I really settled on when I left the theater. This was not a waste of my time. Let me just say that. I had a great time with the movie, but there was a lot that I felt was wasted. The duration being one thing, this didn't need to be two and a half hours at all. There were two or three sub-elements or transition scenes that got our characters from one place to another that did not need to be necessary. They weren't necessary. They could have been exposited through dialogue or we could have just jumped to something else. There was an excessive amount of choreography and action that I thought was fun to watch at first, but got a little bit too much for me. And then finally, as you mentioned, the chemistry between these two characters that works in small doses, that works as a sub point to a larger story, doesn't quite lend itself to being a feature. Because essentially what you have is a high octane, long running SNL sketch, in my opinion. Great. And, and I think I felt the same way about Thor Ragnarok. And I don't want to harp on that necessarily. I think Thor Ragnarok worked a lot better because there was a little bit more balance with that. It was definitely comedy heavy. But as you mentioned, there were so many things about Hobbs and Shaw that felt like they were driven by testosterone. And the people that are listening to this right now that love the movie, kudos to you. I don't want to dissuade you from continuing that enjoyment, but you're probably going to come back and say, it's a Fast and the Furious movie. Isn't that what we're supposed to get? And I'm going to say no. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because there's something about what the franchise has become in its longevity that I think elevates it. And again, this is a subjective vantage point, And I hope the Facebook group is a great place for us to discuss this further after the show. But the franchise itself has earned my respect as being more than just that flamboyant, fast-paced race cars, macho attitude, over-the-top stuff. It has evolved, and it's become what you've talked about. It's become about family. And you can't tell me that Hobbs and Shaw doesn't recognize this because that was what I considered probably an un, a badly executed subplot of what 
brought these two characters together was their relationships with their respective family members, Hobbs's daughter, Shaw's sister, and it didn't quite work well. So there's a recognition of that for sure, but I felt like it was wasted. I felt like that those moments right there were the ones that I latched onto because that's what I came from in the FF universe, but those seemed like really more like afterthoughts. And coming from a director who is known for his stunt coordination and who has directed movies like Deadpool 2, I I guess I should have expected what I got. And that kind of leads me into my first question for you, Aaron, is what were some of your expectations going into a movie like this? Well, I wanted the heart to be there. And, I, and it really all boils down to that lack of similar heart that Fast and Furious has that this doesn't. And I have been pushing back on people for a week now since I saw it, saying the same thing. You know, no, don't tell me this is just another Fast and the Furious movie. You're not picking up on what the Fast and the Furious is if that's all you're condensing it down to is as a series. You're just not. It is impossible to watch the pacing flow of this movie. Now, I wanted it to be funny. I got some funny. I wanted lots of memorable action scenes. I got some of that, and that's why it's not a total, complete failure for me. I was not necessarily wanting an over-the-top story, but I was expecting it once we saw Idris Elba claiming basically to be a superhero in the first trailer, and I was here for that. I thought that was a fun thing to explore and find out how they were going to make that work within the world uh, via using logical technology and stuff. And I wanted some tie-in to the main franchise. Mainly, I wanted these characters' stories to develop in a way that I felt was emotionally connecting and that made sense for them and continued to make me feel closer to them. Just like I have over many movies become closer and closer and closer to Dom and Letty and Han and Giselle and the, and the whole gang and Brian. Um, it doesn't happen overnight, and I feel like Hobbs and Shaw tried to turn that into an overnight thing. They tried to take this one movie and make us go from zero to 60 in the way that we care about these characters when we didn't have to really care about them that much before, and it doesn't work that way, it, especially not when you're trying to do so and your movie is essentially being strung together by a whole bunch of, again, penis jokes and absolutely, for me, grating constancy of referential material, of non-stop meta, hey, look at me, I'm The Rock, and I'm acting in a movie right now, but I'm not actually The Rock. Eyebrow, eyebrow, wink. Oh, here's a suplex, because I'm The Rock. I didn't think that this movie was going to do that, because the Fast and Furious franchise has never done that before. They have had the most subtle things ever. They're never called attention to. So, for example, there is a moment when, I think it's actually, he's fighting Jason Statham, um, when Statham has come in and just destroyed the FBI office or whatever, and he rock bottoms Jason Statham in the middle of that fight. It's never called attention to, though. The camera doesn't make it, doesn't stop what it's doing and say, hey, everybody, you know that's The Rock's move, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's just part of the fight choreography. It's just in there. 
This movie felt like it was Deadpool. Go figure. And it wanted to stop the action, stop what was going on, and tell you, hey, pay attention to this reference right now. I didn't expect that, Patrick. Um, and so because I didn't expect that, it really threw me off. I was the same way going in. I didn't necessarily have a high expectation for emotional weight. I mean, we're talking about Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. So we already kind of have the mathematical formula here that we're going to get big action. We're going to get some fun comedy. And it, to me, is forgivable. It makes sense to me that there should be less of an emotional connection that we have. These are tertiary characters still. And the first time we got introduced to Dwayne Johnson's character, Hobbs, was Fast Five, I believe. And then Statham comes in at the end of six. So we don't really have much of a an emotional connection. As you mentioned, it is a slow burn. I almost want to say it's not very necessary either. I mean, these are characters that are fun to watch, but they're not necessarily deserving. I'm going to be very loose with that word. Deserving of having a movie where we should expect what we have with Dom and Letty and all the other characters that we've grown to love because we've gotten six, seven, eight movies with these other characters. So we, we kind of expect that. At the same time, I think a great story allows you to have some emotional resonance without that history. And when I left the theater, I started thinking, if I watch that again, would I have enjoyed it knowing nothing about these characters? And so I started replaying the opening sequence in my mind of these the dual kind of training morning montage that we have for both these guys. And then we we get introduced to them verbally that they are their enemies. There's nothing re- referencing them back to previous movies. There's a there's a connection to eight where Hobbs is saying, yeah, I saved the world five times, blah, 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 blah. But I almost wonder what a person who's never seen a single one of these other movies, what they would think about this. And I wonder, did we even need their backstory to really enjoy it? And if so, how do you think that might shape someone's movie experience? I know we're being subjective here and kind of speculating, but I wondered about that. Well, for me, I would say the movie doesn't need to exist with those characters. If you want to put The Rock and Jason Statham in a movie because they have great chemistry together and you want them to go beat stuff up or play to get, play off of each other with their comedic timing, etc., make a movie doing that. Get rid of the Fast and Furious universe and don't call them Hobbs and Shaw. If you're going to call them Hobbs and Shaw, it needs to be like a Fast and the Furious movie to some extent, and it needs to continue to develop their characters in a similar way. I'm shocked, man. I, I really am. I don't know what the deal is with Chris Morgan. It feels like he wrote this differently. And anybody who truly has watched the series and fallen, I, I don't know how, I, I think feel like it's like in my face. Like it's so obvious to me, the different style of the writing, the way that the emotional resonance stuff plays in this film versus how it plays in the others. I, and I guess forced and rushed is part of that problem. But yeah, I, I don't think these two men needed this franchise to make a successful movie 
And it would have been better without the Fast and the Furious references for me because all it did is create this world where I need it to make sense. It's a spinoff and I need it to fit. And so I want all of those pieces to go together. So when you basically pretend that Owen Shaw doesn't exist anymore, and I believe at one point allude to him being dead and okay, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like he has a brother, people. Like you said, if you're going to this movie fresh, you don't understand any of the Owen Shaw backstory. Owen Shaw is who we got first. He's the first Shaw, not Deckard. Deckard comes in at the end to get revenge for Owen, right? Because the crew shuts Owen down. But Owen is treated like he's not in here. And it's just, it's just weird, man. It just feels so weird. It's like, if you're going to, if you really truly had this threat and you... Dom and the crew just saved the world. Like, why would you just call Hobbs? And why, you know what I mean? Like, it's... So, to answer your question, because of all of that, I needed it to make sense and fit in the world better than it did, in my opinion. And I think if you would just, to reiterate, take these same guys, put them in a movie together, they'd be a heck of a lot more fun to me if you took the names and changed them. Yeah. When I look at... When you put a tag like Fast and the Furious in the same way that you put Star Wars Presents, Harry Potter Presents, you're establishing a set of rules, you're establishing a tone, you're establishing a world in which these characters need to operate in. And I felt like Hobbs and Shaw, the movie, not the characters necessarily, although as a result of, broke those rules. They ignored anything remotely related to the spirit of what the Fast and the Furious movies have become. Now, I'm not going to say are, because we have to recognize that the Furious franchise has evolved. That this is akin more to probably the original, even though it had its own emotional weight that I can connect with to an extent. It was a blatant ripoff of Point Break, whatever, but it was a great starting point for the franchise. But these characters come from a mature universe. They don't come from a an infant's version of the Fast and the Furious. They don't come right after the first one. And so there is a tonal shift. There is a respect. There is a love for these movies that I felt like Hobbs and Shaw was cheapened for the sake of humor, for the sake of action, for the sake of the things that make things very much a great, quote, popcorn movie, a great turn-your-brain-off-at-the-door movie, and that's not how I operate. Again, I'm one person, and there are probably tons of other people who are completely satisfied with that, and great for them. I I want people to enjoy movies, because we enjoy movies, and not everything's going to work for, for everybody, but this is definitely one of those, quote, big, dumb, fun movies that We've heard people talk about, and I don't like that term. I don't like the fact that these are, there are movies out there that you can basically say, I'm not going to think. I'm not asking for every movie to be interstellar, but I'm asking for something that's going to give me some sort of substance. And what I'm getting is just a series of, of sequences of either action or jokes, and that doesn't work for me personally. That's not what a story is. A story, a narrative, is something that has character arcs 
as low as those arcs could be. It has balance. It has a, a great tonal shift from one thing to another. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I think that's probably the only thing that Hobbs and Shaw had for me was a beginning, a middle, and an end. Although the end was a little bit abrupt <laughs> and a little bit kind of skipping across the water for my taste. Very. But but every other thing really felt like it was as if the director said, you know what would be cool is if we did this. You know what would be cool is if they said this. Let's well, throw that in there. Well, Chris Morgan had an interview recently where that is literally what he said. They were talking to him about you know going to space or whatever, and he said – his reason for story in Fast and Furious franchise, he said, if it's cool, if it looks cool and people dig it, I don't care how crazy it is. We're going to we're going to think about doing it because the audience wants what the audience wants. And I'm going to give it to them as big and as loud and as wild as I possibly can. And we have proven to him that that's what we want, because we keep paying a billion dollars for these movies. Um, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and let me just say that big action and unrealistic action is not what I'm critiquing here. I'm critiquing appropriate action and lengthy or balanced action. There were sequences, Aaron, that went on, for my taste, way too long. And I, for instance, I think there was the sequence where, fun to watch, but way too long, you had the multiple trucks Mm -hmm. attaching themselves to each other. At yeah. one point, I was like, okay, is the whole island of Samoa going to bring all their cars here? And all of a sudden, this right. this helicopter is going to be tacked down with 12, 13, 14 vehicles. There's a point where you go – I talked about this with Quentin Tarantino. One of the reasons I don't care for his violence is because it tends to go on longer than I am comfortable with for different reasons. At some point, I'm like, you've lost me in terms of the wow factor. Now it's just, okay – I've seen enough. Let's move on. Let's move. Let's literally land the plane in some cases. Or the helicopter. Or the Um, helicopter. (laughs) You know, no, that's a great scene to point out. And I want to compare it to something because I felt the same way. It was like, okay, you have visually shown me the cool factor of what you're doing is that these cars are going to link up and attempt to weigh down the helicopter. Seeing them do it one by one by one, four to five different times only accelerated my disbelief in the fact that they could actually do this because of the way that it showed them like shooting. I, I don't even want the way that they link up is completely unrealistic. So by showing it to me over and over and over, you let me then focus on that instead of just doing a quick cut, having it happen once showing maybe a quick edit of a second car. And then we see that they're all linked up or whatever. I want to compare that to, Similar sequences we've seen in the series before, particularly I, I want to know or I want to think about one in Fast and Furious 7 when it's they're taking the truck to get uh, where Ramsey is at and the God's Eye, they're overtaking that vehicle. It's after they just jumped out of the plane in their cars. They come up like one at a time doing things. And that happens in 8 as well, like on the ice. Each car will come up and kind of like now they're going to have a quick little moment in each vehicle. But the thing is, Patrick, the drivers in those vehicles and the vehicles themselves, they're unique and they're different. And we care about the people in those cars. I didn't give a rat's butt about cousin number five or Samoan number 17 that was Rock's 
friend or Hobbs's friend 25 years ago when he was last on the island and doesn't know now, but um, here he comes, you know. So I think it's, again, it's execution, right? Like Morgan is doing something very similar that actually can work. Because I agree also that this movie does have an arc and it does have an intended character progression between Hobbs and Shaw and how they must learn to work together and accept their differences and accept their families so that they can heal with their own families and then work together in order to save the world. Great. That's the story we expected to get. And it, they try, they do, it's there, right? It's execution in how we get between the little beats. Like you said, it feels like beginning, middle, end, and there's like in the middle, it's just Deadpool jokes. Right. And when you have what you're describing to me is what I really took away from my experience is you had more of the stuff that didn't matter and less of the stuff that did. We didn't get enough time with Hobbes and the reconciliation with his family in terms of that particular scene. Now, I will say this. I, I went to uh, I went to the movie with my, my buddy Anthony, and we were talking about that scene. And he said, you know what? I come from a big family, and my mom would have shut that down just like that. So experientially, I can't disagree with that because I haven't experienced, I haven't experienced that. But I can take his word for it. And what I told him was that I don't have an issue with the way she shut it down and basically they got resolution that quickly. What I have an issue with was that that whole arc, that whole moment took place over the course of two minutes. And what we got up to that point were little references to, yeah, I don't want to go back to Samoa. We got one picture that his daughter found that hinted at the fact that there's a rift there. Had we focused on that more... I think I would have felt more emotional connection to that resolution and probably felt it was realistic. And if that had been something that had been introduced in previous Fast and Furious movies for Hobbes' character, that's my biggest problem. If you would have shown me those same scenes, minus Ryan Reynolds' ridiculous appearance, with him and his daughter in a previous movie where he is deflecting and not really wanting to talk about his heritage when it comes up and becomes the reason he needs to now he has to rely on them and he has to wrestle with that history and that past in order to solve the current problem which is saving the world again i would have felt so much better about it but because it's just a throwaway moment at the beginning of this film completely pretty much forgotten about until they have to re-enter the story in order to solve the actual problem in the moment then i would have been so much more connected to that. I mean, it was really such a kind of just a weird experience where I liked that. Like, I don't have any problem with knowing Hobbes has this history and a brother that's, you know, but it's like all about what can we create story-wise in order to force a cameo is what it feels like. Like, how do, ooh, we're going to get Cliff Curtis to play somebody. Who can he be? Instead of, here's a really cool story I want to tell. Who would be the really, who would be a great person to fill this role and to make this kind of thing work? I didn't feel like that was the direction they went. And before we move on, I just want to say real quick on your big dumb fun comment that I actually think the big dumb fun genre is very similar in parts to how people view comedy. It's very, very personal dependent, right? From the reviews I've seen of this film, the way that 
audiences are all over the place. If you are someone that enjoys those vulgar penis and balls jokes that are constantly coming at the screen and you enjoy that referential, self-referential, self-aware Deadpool style of filmmaking and you like these characters, then you are going to love what you get in Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, so in that regard, like David Leitch is succeeding. He is hitting an audience and he is telling it perfectly for that audience and making it a blast. But I think that how people view big dumb fun and their tolerance for that is on such a scale like it is comedy. You're either going to love something that's like a certain way or you're not going to love it. There's not a lot of middle ground like there is more for drama. And so people are split. And I think there's maybe a lack of respect for that kind of comedy that feels cheap, that feels a little bit like high schoolish or whatever. And and maybe that is, maybe there's, there's truth to that, that you could say, well, it's really easy to write stuff like that because it's just a bunch of penis jokes. <laughs> I would say that if you can get your audience to laugh, an audience that is craving that you're succeeding. I'm not that audience. <laughs> I'm an audience that prefers, I don't want to call it smart comedy because that tends to be detrimental to anything else that I don't consider that. So I will say comedy that doesn't rely on or doesn't use those types of techniques to get me to laugh. It's not funny to me. That's what I, I guess is what it comes down to. And when you call something big, dumb fun, it's almost as if you're saying, hey, this movie's it's it's not really a great movie. It's not really a good movie. It doesn't really deserve to be talked about in ways. I almost feel like it's disrespectful to the movie itself. It is. Even though it articulates a sense of lowbrow type approach, that's still an approach and it's still an effective approach. When we talk about Michael Bay, tongue in cheek or otherwise, Michael Bay knows what he's doing. He knows there is an audience for his stuff to an extent. And he'll keep doing it as long as people come to see those things. So does that make it bad? Do you need to justify your enjoyment of something by saying it's, I'm going to turn my brain off, you know, it's whatever. Uh, we were talking about there was a, a new blank house down or no, something has fallen. So uh, Olympus has fallen, London has fallen. And I was like, what else is going to fall? There's a, there's a third movie coming out. And I was talking to Anthony and I said, what's the second one about? He goes, oh, it's just Olympus has fallen but in London. And so he said, if you love that, you'll love this one. And I'm like, sure. But if I've already seen it, I don't really need to see it in London. And, but for him, it is fun and it's worth seeing. So I'm not going to criticize someone who enjoys that kind of stuff. I'm just starting to realize that I want more from my movies for my taste. I want more. And if you've got a franchise like fast and the furious, that's giving you that, this feels like a serious deviation for the sake of cheap laughs and and a, and a money grab. The writing is not the Fast and the Furious's comedy. The writing is Deadpool's comedy. Is that that it's that marriage, man? It is. It is so for me. Really goes like if I have to, I can nail it all down into that funnel for the most part. Is we didn't get this kind of jokes and this kind of dialogue as much in Fast and the Furious. We just didn't. Mm -hmm. it, it takes that part and creates something that we're not used to. The action's the same, yes. 
the wildness and nuts, nutso, you know, sequences and the weird cult of technology and all that stuff. I mean, it's just playing off Cypher. For most of this movie, I thought that that I've been under the belief that that is Cypher, like running this organization. And I've had some conversations with others who have made good points. It's probably not. I know she's returning, though, in the franchise. So who knows? But like her involvement and what she was trying to do, it feels like it would line up with this group really well if it wasn't her in some fashion, maybe in the future. So like I'm used to all that nonsense, but I'm just I'm not used to two guys sitting there insulting each other's facial features back and forth for five minutes. Well, I feel like we're crotchety old men here because (laughs) there are definitely a lot of movies out that had this kind of flavor deadpool being one of them you know as recent examples could be but there's a lot of stuff out there that that could be classified with this and i know that our show is built on that emotional takeaway that emotional connection what about this these types of movies that don't necessarily have that emotional connection or does everything need to have an emotional connection to be successful? Is that a subjective comment or is there something that is required when you, when you craft a story that has some emotional connection to its audience? Well, obviously not. It doesn't have to be there to be successful, at least financially, um, because these make so much money. Right. And you know, I've said it already. I won't beat the horse too much here, but Chris Morgan knows the screenwriter knows that the characters in these franchise have emotional resonance for his audience. And so I think he attempts to do that with Hobbs and Shaw's characters. He is wanting to weave that into this storyline. And it's just not done that way that we're used to and a way that is super effective. So I, I can't say that it fails completely because I like the dynamic between the Shaw's between Deckard and Hattie and him being put in this position to have to go like, for the way that the story sets us up to need to care why Shaw would potentially even consider working with Hobbs again, the way that it kind of generates the conflict, so to speak, between them, it's perfect for me. Like, I'm all there. Like, I loved it. I didn't know that was coming. And I was like, oh, this is per, yeah, that's great. That's going to work out really well, even if they are 20 years apart in age and she's like supposed to be the same age i guess when they were kids that doesn't make any sense wtf but the stuff with hobbs's family like i said earlier for me that just felt super forced um it felt out of nowhere and i wasn't able to connect because that buildup hadn't been there and i have not been I said earlier i haven't been wondering what was going on with hobbs for two years and i have wondered about shaw's past for two years if i've at least had enough history to say oh i wonder what went on and why like the example of the black ops thing that we learn right like we've always known something went wrong that shaw was in an elite unit and supposedly killed them all and probably was framed and and it's like we're not going to talk about that right now so it was it was nice to be like okay i get it now like i understand i'm getting some backstory for shaw that part i liked but i didn't ever have those questions about hobbs and it felt to me, Patrick, God bless Vin Diesel. God, I mean, when I, when I read about the beef between these guys and they had big differences on how to make the franchise go forward and how to make movies. And at one point, you know, Diesel is basically like, I don't want him here anymore. The Rock was like posting Instagram stories 
calling Vin Diesel a candy ass. Like it was getting not great. And they've since said they're still buddies, whatever, just professional differences. But I've heard a lot about how The Rock wanted to make this his way and his own. This movie, for me, felt like Dwayne Johnson saying, I'm going to take the franchise and I'm going to make it better because I'm going to make it about me. There are so many referential, like there's like one referential joke to Jason Statham that I caught. Maybe there's something else, but the Italian job one that you loved is was pretty funny and very subtle. But there's so many rock things like the eyebrow whole sequence like that doesn't need to be in this movie. There's literally no place for it. It's out of place completely. There's he does a suplex that's really drawn attention to stuff like that. And I just felt like the whole Samoan storyline to me was done in a way as if Dwayne Johnson was pointing down a spotlight saying, everybody look about this movie about me. I'm going to tell you my family history and my story, and I'm going to bring it into my way because this is me doing fast and the furious. Like that is how it felt to me. And what I have always loved about the series and what I think you have loved about the series too, is that for us, it's about familia. It is about the group as a whole. It is not about one person. It has never been about one person. Rock, to me, made this movie about one person, even though Jason Satham was there. And that killed all possible emotional connection for me. Yeah, I felt I felt similarly to you. I didn't necessarily see that singled out, but there's definitely that trend or that that pointing of this is a movie centered around Dwayne Johnston and Jason Statham isn't really an afterthought. I think there was an equal amount of time given to both, but that may be where this movie breaks down the most is that it's not centered around family. It's centered around a partnership or about a buddy cop movie. Kind of is for sure. And I mean, that's what I'm saying. They're trying to make it around family. That's what I'm saying. And, that goes back to my original question is, does everything need to have some underlying emotional connection to be successful financially? No, it doesn't. However, there is a thread in every narrative where someone is fighting for someone or something. And we, as an audience, whether we connect deeply or at a surface level, we connect with a character. I don't know that there are movies out there outside of just, well, even comedies there is a level of emotion. There is a level of humanity that exists even in comedy performances. I believe I, I didn't ever see the Deadpool movie, so I can't speak to this, but I think that there was a motive for, for Wade to do what he did and go after and become a mercenary. But every story that's told successfully doesn't necessarily have to get you fully invested emotionally in the characters, but there is a level of that. Otherwise you're just watching stuff happen on screen. It's why we fist pump when we see an action sequence by our favorite character. So when Dwayne Johnson jumps out and does something pretty incredible, we're like, wow, that's fun. But when we see Vin Diesel do it as, as Dom, who we have history with and we have three or four or five movies where we've seen something that he does. We are invested in the history of that character. And it means a little bit more like his, his fight with, with Deckard at, I can't remember which one it was. I think maybe it was seven, 
uh, with just the, without the guns on the, on the rooftop was phenomenal. And it was surrounded by all this crazy that was happening, but we were invested in that moment because we were invested in him, but that came with history. Could we get that with another character? Absolutely. I think Keanu Reeves as John Wick is a great example. We have only three movies where his character exists, but something traumatic happens at the beginning of that first movie that allows us to be drawn in to follow his story. And what I felt like was that Hobbs and Shaw, because it wasn't tied together early on, it was really just like, here are two characters and it's going to be funny to watch them get together because they hate each other. And it culminates to that, that one moment, like, I'm not going to work with this guy, you know, in, in stereo, which gets a laugh from your audience. But that's the kind of movie that we are set up. Like, this is what it's going to be. And when you have those moments, when you have those subplots that involve family, there's that recognition by the screenwriters and by the director that, oh, you know what? We need to have these in there because we can't just have these guys blowing stuff up and trying to fight bad guys. There's nothing about that. We got some backstory with Brixton. Granted, it wasn't much, but we got a backstory. I like that. And you can call it motive. I mean, that's what it is, but it's got emotional weight to it. It doesn't have to be heavy. It just has to be, it has to make sense. And I don't feel like we got much of that. I think we got partial stuff. I think we got incomplete moments of emotional connection that was just sort of half-heartedly thrown in and it was kind of sacrificed in favor of the big blow-up action and the comedy and when you don't have that balance you really lose what could be to me a complete movie all right so enough being crotchety old men (laughs) what were some things Aaron that that did work for you and they could be in pieces and parts they don't have to necessarily be complete but was there anything that stood out to you that that impressed you that you thought was pretty, uh, pretty great. Well, this is not fun. First of all, I didn't hate the movie. It sounds like I absolutely probably just despised it. This is, I'm passionate about it and I'm passionate about it because I cared so much about the franchise. I turned to someone before we started watching it and I was like, listen, for me, if you told me I could only keep three or four franchises in history, I'm keeping Lord of the Rings. I'm probably keeping the Before Trilogy. I'm keeping the Toy Story series. And then I'm probably keeping Fast and the Furious. Like, over Star Wars. Over Indiana Jones. Over Hunger Games. Whatever else. Like, I'm personally probably keeping this franchise. Because there's a lot of movies. But because I care about it. I love it. I really, really do. And so I felt personally attacked. And offended and let down. And that's where this passion is coming from. And so it's very overwhelming. And I know that. And I'm just apologizing. Listeners, hopefully this is not your first episode of Feeling Film Podcast because we're feeling it. That's for sure. But, you know, 90% of the time we are feeling it way more positive. Sometimes we'll even just not do a movie if we both didn't like it or had mad feelings. But we care about this franchise, so we want to talk through it. So that being said, number one, Vanessa Kirby. I love Vanessa Kirby. I love Vanessa Kirby going into this movie. I thought she was one of the outstanding bright spots in Mission Impossible Fallout. This is a great progression of what her character was like in that movie. I had said before this film that I thought she would make a wonderful Catwoman, and that is nothing but validated uh, based on what I saw here. She's got the action chops 
to pull that off, she definitely has the uh, sultriness and the acting chops, I think, to be a phenomenal Selena Kyle. So I really love Vanessa Kirby, and I think that this movie would have been probably sunk for me without her presence to break up the monotony for me and the, the routine. I thought she was – it was a lot of fun to have her in the middle being like, all right, boys, <laughs> hold on a second, and kind of putting things in their place and just balancing things out. So I loved her character. She's one of the few reasons I'll probably still be somewhat excited at least to see Hobbs and Shaw 2 and see if it can redeem itself in some ways for me is because I just loved her and I would like to see more of her in this role. I thought Elba did a really good job trying hard his character. I mean, there's a few lines he has to deliver, man. Genocide, schminocide. It's not good. But like the black Superman thing, that is good. And that was awesome. The opening sequence in this film really got me on a high. I thought it was phenomenal. I loved it. The MI6 team going in there, the introduction of Vanessa Kirby's character, the kind of slow motion zoom into the virus going into that. Like, all of that stuff for me was very formulaic. Spy movie slash Fast and the Furious. But Elba's character walking in like this badass and this motorcycle that seemingly did all this stuff ultimately got played out by going way overboard with what they did with it. But like in that moment, it was awesome. Awesome opening. And it didn't even include Hobbs and Shaw. So I thought that was great. I do think at times the chemistry between Hobbs and Shaw definitely still works and is really fun to watch. Um, I, I liked the sequence where they're going down the hallways, the different doors uh, in the final complex and just looking at each other as they're beating dudes up, like comparing numbers and, you know, messing with each other about who got what door. I, you know, I kind of like the idea that we continue to deal with this question of a villain who seems to think that they have the right answer for what humanity needs to be like. Um, and that killing off everybody that's not, or that's not free of quote unquote imperfection is the way to go. It's fascinating to me because it makes me realize like everybody has a different opinion or definition of what free of imperfection is. And so how could you ever come to a consensus on that? And, uh, and I like kind of exploring that. I don't think it was done in the best of ways, but I wasn't, I didn't have a problem with the cult of technology that was in play here. And I liked everything that Helen Mirren was in every time we got to see her on screen because she's amazing. She absolutely is. And, um, I, I to, to that point, I think the biggest takeaway for me was I enjoyed Shaw. I think Jason Statham, he's hit or miss with me. I think he's a great action star and I won't say underrated because he's been in a lot of things and, and he's beloved, but he's not big literally and figuratively like Dwayne Johnson is or like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, these are not, he's, I mean, he's a small action star, but the way in which he postures himself, I love his character. And I think what made it work for me for him specifically is the way in which he, he is presented next to Hobbs and that opening sequence with them getting introduced. He's got this suaveness to him and intentionally. So there's such a great contrast between the two, how he is a stealth guy and Hobbs is like a big giant bull in a China shop. But what 
this movie did for me was it helped kind of validate that he does have some heart. And in relationship to his sister and his brother, that's what kind of sold it for me was I could believe the the emotional connection that he had with his sister. I didn't need a ton of backstory. I wanted more, actually, because I wanted to know more about them. But because we already had a revenge story with his brother, that having this relationship with his sister, who's MI6, essentially, and trying to be the be the protector and also let her be her own person, he stood out to me as someone who I didn't necessarily care for from the mainline franchise, but who I could see going forward. And of course, you mentioned I love the little subtle nod to the Italian job. Uh, that was a lot of fun for me. But I think he stood out to me as probably my favorite character uh, among everyone in here. I also enjoyed the tech quite a bit. I think it was a little overdone, but there's this really cool idea when you have this uh, whole entourage of weapons that are activated by a sensor and you can essentially hack them and turn them off. I think that's pretty fantastic. That was ripped from a video game. And yeah, that is, I mean, like that feels ripped from like a video game, you know what I mean? And that is so cool. That was a really awesome idea. And the opening, the opening uh, action sequence perfectly set up Idris Elba's character. I didn't quite buy into his mission because I don't think we spent a lot of time with it. That's something else that I think I struggled with was the fact that we didn't get a lot of time to care deeply about Brixton. Not that we needed to know a ton about him, but his mission being played for by, or being played with by essentially, um, you know, Dr. Claw (laughs) behind this, you know, digital wall, uh, wasn't, wasn't enough for me to, to care deeply, but I love the ideas that were presented. I love that idea of, this perfectly crafted humanity and someone being an ambassador for that. And then I don't know how I felt. I'm still kind of on the fence about this, but him essentially being shut off because he failed the mission. I think that spoke to the fact that he was a machine from beginning to end. Like he was nothing more than just a pawn in this greater good. But the idea is there and I like that. I just wish it were more executed, but more than anything, I, I think it was it was fine as a movie. I just wanted more of those things that I enjoyed and less the things that were kind of too excessive for me. So one final question. Um, how does Hobbs and Shaw leave us feeling about the franchise and its spinoffs uh, going forward? I know that there is an all-female-led movie in the works. Um, obviously, we have a couple of more that are finishing off Maybe I'm wrong about the female-led thing. Am I? But anyway, what are your thoughts on the the future of this franchise and its potential? I don't want to call it spinoffs, but it's it's arms or whatever we're going to call them. Well, the next one coming is FNF Nine, and we have Justin Lin returning. There is no Dwayne Johnson. They are adding John Cena to replace him. So wrestler for wrestler, I guess. Charlize Theron is said to be returning as well. That's why I mentioned earlier, I don't know what's going on with Cypher and how she's going to play into this, but I'm curious. I love her character in Fast and Furious 8, so I think she can do anything she wants to do. She's an amazing actress, and I I like her a lot, so I'd like more of her. Uh, Jordana Brewster is returning as Mia. Very curious to find out what's going on with that and how that's going to play out. I'm still extremely, extremely excited for 9 and 10. We have been told this is going to be the end of the mainline franchise. Um, 
Vin Diesel and Chris Morgan have joked about being open to going to space. I kind of at this point hope that they, I've always joked about it too, but I kind of hope they leave that to Hobbs and Shaw. If you're going to do it, leave that. That's kind of perfect, honestly, for what (laughs) they just did with this movie. So if you're going to make Hobbs and Shaw 2, which I would assume is going to be a no-brainer based on our opening weekend numbers that this movie is doing, send them to space. You know what I mean? I felt like they were setting up a new team that's going to include Kevin Hart, probably and definitely going to include Ryan Reynolds. Uh, the after credit sequences made it pretty clear. The Deadpool references, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, probably don't, because I don't think you've seen Deadpool 2 or even Deadpool, but when the characters are being introduced or courted by their respective FBI agents, Hobbs is being recruited by Ryan Reynolds, who plays Deadpool, and Shaw is being recruited by another um, agent who is uh, plays a guy named Peter in Deadpool 2, one of the non-superhero characters. So it is an absolute, like, intentional thing. Again, sort of, some people love that and make them laugh. Me, it makes me roll my eyes. I think we're going to get more of that. I think that they're setting up this team for Hobbs and Shaw to have that is similarly going to rival... I guess, in their minds, the family of Fast and Furious. And if that's fu- if that's what they do, that's fine. If you got an audience for that, I'll you know go for it, man. Make that team, send them to space. That series is not going to have Aaron's heart the way that the Fast and Furious series has Aaron's heart. So um, I'm really excited for the main two movies that are to come, the Hobbs and Shaw 2 and the Hobbs and Shaw, whatever comes out of that, this movie, I'm not super excited for. The female-centered spinoff that is rumored, yes, I believe it is still coming, as far as we know. Um, it has had writers announced. We don't know anything else. We just kind of assume it's going to have Letty, Ramsey, maybe Mia. I'm all for that one. You know, bring Hattie Shaw into it somehow. I don't know. But yes, yes, a million times. I will watch that, and I am excited because I think that the writers can handle it in a way that will make it something I enjoy. But... Yeah, this is a bit of a souring thing for me, and it's going to feel that way, I think, until I get around to my rewatch of the entire series before watching FNF 9 next year, which I'm sure I will do. I will not watch this movie again. I don't see it being one that I revisit, and this is disappointing, but, you know, it's not going to ruin 9 and 10 as long as they keep to the formula of the main franchise. Yeah, I'm, I think you and I, before this movie even came out, we're hopeful that Lynn will take the franchise back a notch a little bit, not necessarily go back to the streetcars, street racing. But I think you and I both but agree But we'd that take that. <laughs> we would. You're, you're absolutely right, we would. But we'd probably both say that, that Fate of the Furious was probably the, okay, it's getting a little crazy with vehicles coming out of the ice and just, it's, and so, yeah, submarines. Time to and, rein it in, guys. Which, again, is not bad. It's consistent with the franchise tone, but 5, I think, stands on its own as, like, this is where balance and action and everything really lives. And who directed that? Justin Lin. So I think we've got potential for finding that Mi Familia thread again and taking it 
to the next level in terms of what that's really like. Maybe we'll have another sacrifice. Hopefully we'll get justice for Han and all will be right with the world in, in some regard. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to both these, these next two. And actually I'm, I'm looking forward to the, to the finality of it, to being able to tie a bow on what has been a great experience. Um, you know, you and I, we watched this when I was in Seattle earlier this year and, and it was fantastic to be able to go through these things, uh, with the exception of two, which, you know, if there's a dark spot in any franchise, it's gotta be, it's gotta be one. Most people will say three, but I'm like, no, two is probably where it's at. It's fun to watch, but it's two. It's two. So, well, if you haven't guessed by now, we do not have connecting points for this episode <laughs> no, and that's okay. Don't. That's okay. So we'll go ahead and just wrap up the episode on a, on a high note that we're looking forward to the future. <laughs> And hopefully, so sad. Can, yeah, well, but, you know, maybe you can be looking forward to some good stuff. I know you could for this week because we have a new FF Plus coming out with uh, Coles yeah. Davis. He's going to be joining us. And we also have week two of Director Battle Month in the books. The Grand Budapest Hotel was the winner of this week's bracket. So we'll be talking about that next week. Also, voting for our August donor pick is going on. So you'll want to. Be a part of that if you want to find out more about that. It's part of our patron family. Uh, you can find out more at patreon.com slash film on how you can get involved with that. Patron familia, Patrick. Sorry, familia. <laughs> me familia. Hashtag me familia. Or patron familia. <laughs> Aaron, thanks for a great conversation. And, you know, <laughs> it was great. We, we are actually the FNF familia. You realize we, that. Like, we, we are. are FNF, too. We are. We are. We own it. That's <laughs> part of the love. <laughs> Dom would be so proud. Feeling in film. Feeling right. in film. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show grow our community of listeners like you we also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing facebook discussion group a link to that is in the show notes or you can just search on facebook and find us that way if you'd like to continue the conversation with me you can follow the show on twitter at feeling film or connect with me in the facebook group i'm very active in both places and would love to chat and if you want to connect with me you can find me at shoeless patch on both facebook and twitter be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.